There's a raging debate between Alabama and Clemson fans. Everyone seems to be chiming in on it. And does conference supremacy really matter? Let's get into it. Hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. Fourth and five, the national championship on the line. Got the big man. I think Notre Dame got it on the It is that time of year where I start to get super antsy about football. Now, the problem is, is I haven't had a lot of time this year because in my other life, my other businesses, my other world, I do videography, photography, travel a lot, if some of you don't know that. And I've been very busy. I was just in the Philippines back in May for 20 days, did some other trips, was just in Yosemite for about a week with my fiance. We were working down there. Um, but... When I was driving back from Yosemite, I was really starting to get the football vibe going in my head, and I started listening to some podcasts, turned on Paul Feinbaum, uh, because he's been one of the only people that kind of goes all year long, and everybody is enriched in this debate about Alabama and Clemson. Now, usually after the national title game, I kind of tune out. I think I gave my last podcast after the title game last year, gave my thoughts on the season, and I kind of tuned out. What I didn't realize is this entire offseason, uh, Alabama fans, Clemson fans, really just college football fans, have been having this big debate about who's better, Alabama or Clemson, Alabama or Clemson, who's better? And you're hearing all these different opinions, and the problem is, and why everybody's arguing, is because people come into it with different criterias. Right, you have all these Alabama fans coming in, and when they hear someone go, "Oh, Clemson's the best program right now," they're like, "What? But, 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 what do you mean? They haven't been good for ten years like us." Well, maybe they weren't using that criteria. Um, it just depends on what you're asking for. This is the same type of thing happens when people do the whole "Is LeBron better than Jordan?" debate, and it's like, well, what type of debate are you trying to have? In my opinion, LeBron James is the best basketball player, the best physical specimen basketball human being player that's ever played the game of basketball. He's the greatest basketball player of all time. When I'm making that argument, I'm not even considering championships, um, MVPs, accomplishments. All I'm basing that off of is basically film study and when I watch LeBron James play basketball, I don't think I've ever seen another human being that could match what he was doing in his prime. Now, Michael Jordan, in my opinion, is the most legendary and accomplished basketball player of all time. LeBron James, I think, is a little better, but legendary-wise, it's not even a comparison. MJ will always be MJ. So it's like, what, what part of the debate are you having? And, and what are you using to critique it? If I was starting an NBA team today and I could pick any player throughout the history of the NBA in their prime, I think I would pick LeBron James over Michael Jordan. And I don't think that's controversial at all. Um, 
I hate in that debate when people use LeBron James losing championships against him as if it was bad that he made it to the finals. He's played in way more finals than than Jordan. And my point is, is that it's hard to have that debate. You have to be very specific about what your criteria is, right? Are you basing it on stats? Are you basing it on who's the most iconic? who had the most accomplishments, or are you actually trying to say like, hey, who was just a better ball player? I don't care what team you played on, what you won. There's plenty of great players, right? Dan Marino is just as good a quarterback as some of these quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls. He didn't end up winning a Super Bowl. I never buy into the whole championships make you who you are. I think in basketball, it's a little more important. In football, you really don't have much control over winning a championship as a single player, even a quarterback. There's been great quarterbacks that have never gotten on good teams. So anyway, let's take this all the way back to this whole Alabama Clemson thing. I think it's very, very, very simple for all these fans, all these people that are having this debate to calm down and just let's see what the criteria is. It's very simple. For me, it's just a simple timeline. This is how college football works when you're assessing who has the best program right now, who who has the greatest all-time program. You just got to set a timeline. What years are you talking about? So who was the best football program over the last year? It's Clemson, obviously. Why? Because last year, they won the national championship. If you take it on a year-by-year basis, who was the best football team of 2018? It was Clemson. Who was the best football team of 2017? It was Alabama. Who was the best football team of 2016? Clemson. 15, it was Bama again. 14, it was Ohio State. 13, it was Florida State. Blah, blah, blah. You go on and so on, on a year-by-year basis. Pretty simple. Who is the best team right now? It's Clemson. Who has the best program right now, though? Well, when you're saying who has the best program, that usually doesn't involve just one year. And I'll get back to that in a second. So let's say you were to say, who is the best football program over the last two years? Well, in that case, it's literally a tie between Alabama and Clemson because they both have national titles. They both played in playoffs those years. They won conference championships in both of those years. One year Alabama won the title, one year Clemson did. So over the last two years, Alabama and Clemson are pretty tied. Let's go back three years. Over the last three years, this would include 2016, 17, and 18. Who are the best? What? Is, who is the best program? It's Clemson, by a very slim margin, but they're just ahead of Alabama if you go back three years because they have two national titles and Alabama has one. If we go back four years, who's who's the best program over the last four years? Again, it's a tie between Alabama and Clemson, and that tie will continue until you get go all the way back until 2012 because now you finally have added another championship that Clemson didn't have. In 2013 and 14, Clemson, well, in 14, Clemson didn't make a New Year's Six Bowl game. I think they lost three games that year and then they kicked Oklahoma's butt in a in a in one of those mid-tier bowl games. I want to say maybe the Camping World Bowl or, or something like that, Capital One Bowl, one of those types of games. But in 2013, Clemson was very, very good. They lost two games that year. They went to the Orange Bowl, and they beat a very good Ohio State team coached by Urban Meyer. So in 2013, Clemson was relevant. In 2012, Clemson was also relevant, but Alabama won a national title that year, and and Clemson won the Peach Bowl against a a pretty good LSU LSU team, let's remember. Um, So the further you go back, right, now Alabama is winning the conversation. You, You take this conversation back to 2012, 11, 2009, 2008, when Saban first started getting the program going. Alabama's winning that conversation against anybody, right? Over the last 10 years, the best football program has been Alabama. 
And you can take that all the way back to the all-time list, right? Who are the greatest programs of all time? And obviously in that situation, Clemson comes nowhere close to Bama. You're talking about three national championships from Clemson, the first being in 1981, uh, the last two coming more recently in 16 and 18. But Alabama trumps that. I don't even know exactly how many titles Alabama's won. I should have had that stat in front of me before I started this. But basically, Alabama has done this Nick Saban thing twice, right? Bear Bryant did the same thing that Nick Saban's doing with this Alabama program back in the late 60s through the 70s, right? So Alabama is up there in the tiers of the Notre Dames, the Michigans of the world, right? The greatest college football programs of all time with a bunch of national titles and blah, 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 right? So Clemson, Alabama fans, when you're at, what are you debating about? Because it's very simple. And I don't know why everyone is so up in arms about it. You you, hear, you have these... Um, Bama fans calling into the the Feinbaum show trying to, oh, well, well, Clemson's not as good because they didn't have coaching turnover like Bama or blah, blah, blah. Or you'll hear, oh, they don't play in the SEC and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter, guys. Who won national championships? Who won conference championships? And who won New Year's Six bowl games? Who made playoff appearances? Those are the things that matter, right? Over the last two years, Alabama and Clemson have been right up there together. Why Why does one even have to be better than the other? Just go win national championships and shut up, okay? Now, one thing I will say to Clemson fans, um, and, and just Alabama haters mostly, actually, is that Alabama, although on paper, they got their ass kicked in the title game last year, okay? And the score did depict that. And on that particular game, that particular night, more things went Clemson's way. They did win by four touchdowns. They were not four touchdowns better than Alabama. I, I, yes, they were that night because the score reflects it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Shut up. I get it. But what I'm trying to say is you can look at football games and you know if teams are on each other's level. I personally believe, and I think most reasonable college football fans and analysts would agree with this, if Alabama and Clemson last year played 10 times, you're probably going to get a blowout by Clemson over Bama. You're probably going to get one blowout of Bama over Clemson. And then the rest of the games would probably be competitive. Those were two juggernaut programs. Now, when we rolled the dice, we happened to get the version where Clemson, everything went their way, and they blew out Bama by four touchdowns. This was not a 2012 Alabama-Notre Dame game, where clearly, after watching that game, you feel like nine out of 10 times or possibly 10 out of 10 times, Alabama would have beaten Notre Dame and probably beaten them handily each time. They were that much better than the team they were lining up against. And there's only been a handful of times where we've seen blowouts like that happen. And honestly, that 2012 one is the one where I literally look at it and I go, you know what? Probably 10 out of 10 times, Alabama beats Notre Dame in 2012 and beats them handily, most likely. But let's go back and think of some of the national championship game blowouts, um, just in the BCS era. The first one I can think of, which this one also comes very close to this Alabama-Notre Dame situation, was in 2001 when Miami played Nebraska. That game was just not competitive, and you could tell Miami had far superior athletic talent in that game. There was nothing Nebraska could do. And I feel like if they played 10 times... Miami's winning at least eight or nine of those games, and most of them are probably going to be blowouts. Okay, 2002, three, okay, we don't, when's the next blowout? 2004. No, 2004 is really interesting because this is when we had USC throttle Oklahoma in the national title game. Now, this one is one where I think USC was superior to Oklahoma, 
but if they played 10 times that year, I see Oklahoma, or sorry, USC winning maybe six and a half, maybe maybe seven of them, and a couple of them would be blowouts, but Oklahoma definitely had the ability to compete with them in different you know, if they could play that game more than once. You know, Oklahoma, we're talking about a team that had Sean White, a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, Adrian Peterson, a lot of good receivers, some legendary defensive players as well, obviously coached by Bob Stoops, a legend. It's a shame that game wasn't more competitive. Also that year, Auburn, an undefeated Auburn team out of the SEC, was left out of the national title game, which is weird. You know, we feel like that would never happen. Anyway, let's go forward. 2006, this one was a surprise. Florida came out of nowhere and crushed Ohio State. Now, this is a this was a game where Florida was the better team here. This is when we all realized, right? I was in sixth grade when this happened, by the way. But this is when I realized the SEC was different. The defensive linemen in the SEC were fast, big, and strong. And these Big Ten offensive linemen could not keep up with them. And this prolific Ohio State offense that was amazing all season long. Heisman Trophy winner Troy Smith, Ted Ginn Jr., crazy athletic, you know, Anthony Gonzalez, a great receiver, Antonio Pittman, Beanie Wells was a freshman. This was a great offense, loaded offense, and they couldn't do anything against Florida. And then Florida could do whatever they wanted offensively against Ohio State, who had a great defense. I mean, we're talking James Laurinaitis, that linebacker, Malcolm Jenkins at corner, some of these great Big Ten players, and they couldn't keep up with Florida's speed. Now, that that year, I think Ohio State was just caught off guard, and they you know they got caught up in the hey we're the best, and we already played the national title game against Michigan and the Michigan game, you know all the hype in that game that year. So I think if they played ten times, Ohio State could have got some wins, but Florida was the better team that year. Okay, um, two thousand six, seven, eight, nine. We didn't have blood. Ten no blood. Eleven was good 12 12 so then we're back to 2012 right that was the last time we had a blowout like this and to me that was the most uncompetitive national title game i've ever seen um that one in the 2001 miami game of the more modern era from the bcs on those games were very uncompetitive and that was the biggest year where i've seen a gap between one and two those two years what i'm trying to say though is i didn't really feel that this year with alabama and clemson i just didn't I know who's on Alabama's sideline. First of all, it's the greatest coach ever, Nick Saban. And I know that they have five and four-star players all over the field at every position with depth, okay? They have probably the second best quarterback in the country. Oh, he wasn't Trevor Lawrence. Well, Trevor Lawrence looks like he's going to be the next Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck combined. So Tua is still very good, very talented quarterback. Um, the Clemson defense got on him early, he threw that interception, and things just went Clemson's way. So when people call in, you know, to, to the Fine Bomb Show, I'm hearing people also call in and being like, hey, uh, Clemson is miles ahead of Bama. And I think uh, Fine Mom rightfully so has the right to be like, what are you talking about? You know, um, that doesn't make any sense. However, what Bama fans do need to admit is they did get beat last year, and right now, as of today, Clemson is the better football program. It's by a slight margin. It's just barely. But right now they're better in this very short term. Over the last, you know, couple years, or especially last year, last four years, Clemson's just as good as a program as Bama, if not slightly better, slightly nudging over them right now. Barely. And another thing that Alabama has in their corner that they try to use in this argument is the conference they play in. The SEC, the almighty great 
SEC, the conference that no other conference in football can compete with. Not even the NFC and AFC can probably compete with them, right? (laughs) But what I'm going to try to get into now is talk about why that is irrelevant and why that really doesn't matter that much. First of all, Bama fans usually never are the ones with the SEC trump card. They're just like, we win national championships. The, The people that trump the SEC card the hardest are Mississippi State fans, Ole Miss fans, Auburn fans when they're going 500 seasons, basically all the teams that are like trying to make excuses for the fact that their team's going six and six or seven and five. Well, we play in the SEC, so what do you expect? And and there's there's truth to that. Obviously, I have always said and still believe the SEC most years is the best conference culture-wise. They're by far the best conference, right? Historically, they're the best conference. Um, but that gap between them and everyone else has always been a little exaggerated, in my opinion. And then I got to thinking a lot, right? And I was like, why do people care so much about conference supremacy? I mean, it's really only the SEC people. They're the only ones that, you know, really chant it because they are the best and a lot of other conferences can't. If you're a Pac-12 fan, you've never in your life been able to brag about your conference, right? Um, my team, Florida State, plays in the ACC. I don't. I think the ACC people disrespect it more than they should, but... There's been years, plenty. The last couple of years, the ACC has been garbage. I mean, that's true. 2016, though, it was it was better than the SEC that year. It was probably the best conference that year. Um, but most years, it's probably the third best or fourth best. You know, it's probably right there at the Big 12 a lot of times, especially now that Florida State has, you know, dropped off and Clemson's just sitting there all by themselves. That That's true. But it doesn't matter because conferences are just ways to differentiate regional teams that play in the same league, right? In the NFL, you have two conferences. You have the AFC and the NFC. And there's years where clearly one's better than the other. But why does no one in the NFL talk about their conference being tougher than another conference? And it's because in the NFL, you can't use that as a trump card to gain something over another team. Where in college football... We have this thing called strength of schedule, and we have this thing called the college football playoff and the committee, and it's and it's not done the same way as the NFL. And because there's the interpretation by us fans that college football is all about debating who gets to go where in the postseason, where you play your conference and how hard your schedule is really, really matters. But But does it, though? Last year, when it was coming time for playoff selection, and I talked about on this show repeatedly, that... We still live in a hierarchy structure in college football. I don't care that we moved away from the pole era to BCS and now we're in the playoff era. It's still a very basic structure. You win your conference championship with a good record and you go to the playoff. Unless there's more than four of you. Now someone has to get left out. And I think that the SEC conference has only benefited in the sense of a tiebreaker. Now, that is very important, right? The SEC is a tie-breaking trump card. It's not a I-get-in-over-you trump card, right? So, for example, let me try to clarify what, I, what I've said a lot last year. Let's say I am in the Pac-12 or any conference. If I go undefeated and win my conference, I'm guaranteed a shot at the playoff, 99%. The only way I'm a Pac-12 team that's undefeated, that doesn't make the playoff, the only scenario where they would be left out is if there are four other undefeated conference champions 
most likely in that scenario, because the Pac-12 is the weakest conference, and it would depend on the teams and, and their schedules, obviously, but we would leave them out. Let's say we had an undefeated Alabama team, an undefeated Clemson team, ACC champ, um, an undefeated Michigan team, Big Ten champ, an undefeated Oklahoma team, Big 12 champ, and then an undefeated Oregon or Washington team out of the Pac-12. In that scenario, and I, who knows exactly what their schedules are, but let's just say in that scenario we determine, hey, Pac-12 is the weakest conference. Of those five teams, we're leaving the Pac-12 team out, okay? That would make sense. That's the one scenario where you going undefeated in your own conference and winning a championship and you would be left out of the playoff. Well, that never, ever happens, ever. I, don't, I can't remember a year in history. In the, it's 150 years of college football this year, by the way, which is awesome. But in those last 150 years, I don't think we've ever had five undefeated conference champions. At least not in the modern Power Five era. And probably, I don't even think going back to the 70s, whatever. None of that's happened before, right? So you can pretty much tell a Pac-12 team, a Big 12 team, if you go undefeated and win your conference championship, you will be going to the playoff. Same with Notre Dame. If they go undefeated, they are in the playoff. No questions asked. Okay, now let's let's take it down a notch. Let's say you are an 11-1 Pac-12 champion, Big 12 champion. I would say most years, you're also guaranteed in the playoff. Now, the only thing that keeps you out of the playoff, if you're a one-loss conference champion, is if there are four other teams that are also 11-1 conference champions, or if someone's if they're undefeated, like they would have to either have a better record than you or be tied with you. Now, if there's a five-way tie, right, 11-1, it's going to come down to the exact same scenario I just described, right? It doesn't matter if they're all five of them are 12 and 0, 11 and 1, 10 and 2. It's the exact same scenario when there's five ties, okay? And the reason I'm ranting about this is because in the last couple of years, people have been talking about all these scenarios in the preseason where we have two SEC teams getting in or, or, or at least just two teams from one conference going to the playoff, right? It's usually the SEC that argues this. You know, they, oh, Alabama and Georgia are probably going to play undefeated. And I heard it the other day on several podcasts. If Alabama and Georgia are undefeated going into the SEC championship game this year, then they're both going to the playoff. And that's probably true. Most likely, if that scenario unfolds, that would happen. But People forget that that would be dependent on other conference champions not having the same record. Because, as I said last year many times, the committee has yet to prove to me that they would be willing to take an SEC team with one loss who didn't win the conference champion and put them in over a team that did win their conference champion with the same record. Right? Last year, we almost had this happen. Last year, when Alabama and Georgia met in the SEC title game, everybody was convinced that if Alabama won, they would be in the playoff and Georgia might have a chance. But everyone was also convinced that if Georgia would have beaten Alabama, they both would be guaranteed a spot. And I really don't think that would have happened. I truly believe that the committee last year would have told Alabama if they lost that game, sorry, you have to go home. We're not going to tell Oklahoma, another 11-1 conference champion, that they don't get to go to the playoff. You should have won your conference champion. And everybody's like, no, I, I know a lot of you actually think that I'm wrong about that. But until the committee actually does that one day, I won't believe it. And you're like, well, no, Michael, 2017, Alabama and Georgia got it. No, that, that was different because Alabama didn't get in 
over a team with a better record. They got in over a 10-2 Ohio State Big Ten champion. If Wisconsin beats Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game that year, Alabama does not go to the playoff and they don't win that national championship. Fact. That is a fact, people. If you do not believe that, you do not, you weren't watching football that year. You weren't watching college football. That was a fact. Now, one thing about last year is I don't know if it was a fact fact that they would have not put Alabama in if they lost, but I really don't think they would have. You would have had, when the regular season and conference championship week ended, you would have had a 13-0 Clemson team undefeated. You would have had a 12-0 Notre Dame undefeated. They're in. Those two teams would both be in. You would have a Georgia team, 12-1 SEC champion. They're in. And then you really think that a 11-1 non-SEC champion Alabama gets in over an 11-1 conference champion Oklahoma? No, I don't see how that could ever happen. I don't see how that would be fair. Even though, yes, I know, guys, Alabama was better than Oklahoma last year. And I know the playoff is supposed to be the four best teams. But it's all, it's like I've said, it's a combination of the four best and four deserving. It's not one or the other. It's not simply the four best teams. Because if it was, I've talked about this before, if it was the four best teams at the end of the year and it was based on Vegas odds, who's going to win? Because that's, that's how you determine the best team. Go to Vegas and ask them who's favored more often than anyone else. It's going to be Bama every year. If that was the case, we'd be putting Bama in with two or three losses because Saban in the playoffs probably going to win it. I would bet on him 90% of the time. That means we would have had to put a 10-2 Penn State team in a couple years ago, a 9-3 USC team was playing like a top four team by the end of that year. They finished in the top five that year, I'm pretty sure. Um, But obviously we said, sorry, you lost three games. You're not going. Why do we have a problem doing this to Alabama in that scenario? What is wrong with saying, hey, you want it in, you go beat Georgia, there's other conference champions that have better records than you, Alabama, and you don't get to go. That's what would have happened in 2017 if Wisconsin had beaten Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. The undefeated Wisconsin team would have taken that fourth spot over the 11-1 Alabama team that didn't even win their conference. And again, please don't take this as I'm knocking Alabama in any sort of way. Like I said, on I would still bet that they beat those teams. And from that argument, a lot of people think that's why they should have gone, even if they would have lost to Georgia. But I just don't think that's good for college football. And I don't think that's how it works right now. I don't think the committee would have done that. I know a lot of people think they would have. We didn't find out. I am begging for that scenario to happen this year. I really want Georgia and Alabama to enter the SEC championship game undefeated this year. And I want there to be four other conference champions when it's all said and done that have the same or better record because then the committee is really going to have to make that decision and then we'll see what they're really about if they do something like that they put the two sec teams in then we'll know okay conference championship games don't matter and it really is the four best teams in the eyes of vegas but right now i think it's pretty cut and dry that it's the a combination of the four best teams and the four most deserving teams. That's why Notre Dame got in last year. Okay, Ohio State was better than Notre Dame last year. So why didn't the committee just say, it's the four best teams? We know on paper that Ohio State is better than Notre Dame. 
Well, Notre Dame was undefeated, so they weren't going to leave them out, guys. They weren't going to do that, and they won't do that, and they shouldn't do that. If Notre Dame goes undefeated with their schedule, they should... I, I think Notre Dame... If they only have one loss every year, they should be guaranteed a playoff spot. An 11 and one Notre Dame team or a 12 and one Notre Dame team probably has a trump card on everybody else. Yes, they don't have a conference title game, but they play a harder schedule than any Power Five champion can ever claim to have. And I don't necessarily base that on, oh, well, this team played more top five teams in Notre Dame. I don't care about that. Notre Dame plays 12 Division one football games a year. They usually play like one group of five team and then they play Navy who's up and down. But they play six ACC games. Okay. And then they play, you know, Michigan, Stanford, USC, you know, teams like that. Big time programs. Now, yeah, I know last year, Florida State, who normally would make, give their schedule a bunch of bulk, Florida State was down and USC was down. But that doesn't change the fact that they play 12 consecutive games against Division I teams, where Alabama will play two FCS schools this year, and Duke, and probably another group of five school. Basically, four completely uncompetitive, useless games that might as well be bye weeks. And I just use them as an example because they're the best team, but a lot of SEC and ACC teams will be doing that. And and the ACC were just as bad with that crap. I remember when Florida State, the year we won the national title, we played like Idaho at the end of the year. And we also had like Nevada and Louisiana Monroe or someone like that on the schedule. You know, three just worthless cupcake games. Now, obviously, we were still the best team in the nation that year. And we proved that by beating an SEC team in the national championship. Um so I'm not trying to say that when teams have these weak schedules that they're not good, but Notre Dame should be in the playoff if they're 11 and one or better every year. I mean, they just should. They, they've earned it. And I feel like the only reason that we kind of don't give them that credit is because we're all kind of mad at them still for not joining conference. But the reality is, is Notre Dame could join any conference and year in and year out, their schedule would be easier than what it has been. I mean, that's, that's just a fact. Even if they went and joined the SEC West, their schedule on average each year would still be easier than it is right now, playing 12 Division One games a year. People just don't realize how hard that is. If I was, if I had the choice, if I had a four-game stretch and I had to play two top 10 teams out of those four games and I also got two total patsies, or I had an alternative schedule where no one, none of the four teams I'm playing are bad at all, but none of them are really great. Just four solid teams, like four seven and five bowl teams in a row. I would take this the schedule with the two patsies in between, because in football it's all about stretches, right? Tough game stretches back to back to back are very very difficult to handle, and that's why I think Alabama is smart for doing the schedule they do. I mean, if the rules allow them to, why wouldn't they put a Citadel game between their last conference game and Auburn? Why would you not do that? Playing back-to-back -back games is what kills you in college football. Um, that's how the sleeper upsets happen, right? I mean, you see it happen. You go out and you beat LSU if you're Alabama, and then you're just hoping to get through Mississippi State the next week or something. And we've seen even Nick Saban in Alabama, when they played back-to-back -back really tough games, they've lost. And 2012 is probably the best example of that, where 
right after the epic 2012 Alabama LSU game, a great game in overtime. TJ Yeldon runs in the touchdown. AJ McCarron's crying, jumping in Nick Saban's arms, you know, all that stuff. Well, the very next week, Johnny Manziel comes in and beats Alabama. Um, Texas A&M wasn't as good as LSU that year, but they were good enough to where Alabama had put so much out there against LSU that by the time they're playing Texas A&M just one week later, they're not up to the talent level that they should be because they're, they're burnt out. Um, Florida State, this would always happen to us. We would go, we would beat Clemson finally, right? That's always our big game each year um, when we were good. We would beat Clemson at home. And then we'd go lose on the road the next week to an NC State team. That was pretty good, but we would just burn out and then not take the next game seriously. I mean, these are how upsets happen in college football. If you play a, a decent team on the road right after you have an emotional, crazy top 10 um, game at home, that's just the recipe for upsets in college football. So I don't blame the SEC and ACC schools for trying to make sure that there are no tough games sandwiched back-to-back. And look at the way Alabama schedules. It's very hard for you to find obvious back-to-back tough games. Sometimes the way the season unfolds, a team ends up being better than we thought they were going to be, so they end up with two tougher games back-to-back. But usually on paper, when you're looking at their schedule, you usually don't go, oh, those are two really tough games back-to-back. And a lot of teams don't have that type of schedule. But there's a difference between... To playing a tough team and then playing a mediocre six and six, seven and five team, or playing a tough game, having a bye week, then playing the Citadel, and then playing your last, you know, your rivalry game. There's a difference between that and doing what the Big Ten does and the Pac-12 does. Ohio State and Michigan usually have to play Nebraska, Rutgers. Rutgers is a bad example because they're terrible, but you know Maryland. They have to play another Big Ten school the week before their big rivalry game. Um, in the SEC and ACC, we basically get to have a practice game leading up to that game, which is very, very crucial for how you're going to perform, what you're going to look like, especially when the committee's watching and usually is using that week to determine who's going to make the playoff. You know what's going to happen in the conference championship games. So. To me, this whole conference supremacy debate is pointless because it doesn't really matter. It doesn't actually help these SEC teams as much as they think. I would argue that these SEC teams hurt each other by playing in this tough conference. I mean, look at Auburn. Since 2014, or since 2013, sorry, Auburn made it to the national title game with Gus. Auburn's had some really good teams on paper talent-wise. You're seeing athletes, they go 7-5 and five a lot. Why? Because they play in the SEC. So when Auburn fans come up to me and they're like, and I'm trying to say, yeah, you know, Florida State's a better program than you guys. And they're like, no, no, no. Or, or I'm like, hey, and this this year, like, Florida State was better. You know, we're 10-2. and two. And, and they're like, well, we play in the SEC. So our 7-5 and five season is really like a 9 and th- No, it's not. You play in college football, Division One Power 5 football, like everyone else, and going 6-6 six and six is going 6-6. Six and six. It doesn't matter what conference you come in. Winning a national championship is winning a national championship. It doesn't matter what conference you come in. Um, as a Florida State fan, I'm much more happy that we have a national championship in recent memory than getting to say, well, my team plays in a conference, so even though they never perform the way I want and we never get the accomplishments I want, um, I'm just glad we're in the SEC, right? Like, I'm a Florida State fan. We got a national title. Georgia fans, you guys didn't get one. You lost it. You lost the national championship. And you do not get to say that, oh, well, yeah, but we're an SEC school, so really, like, we're better than, than Florida State, you know, this deck. No, 
You're not. Go win a national title, and you'll be better than Clemson. You'll be better than Florida State. You'll be better than Ohio State. These teams won national championships, and there's not a difference between their national title and the ones Alabama's won this decade or the one that Auburn won this decade. There's not a difference. That's really all I wanted to say. I thought it was interesting. Um, I'll be coming out with some more podcasts later this year. I'm going to be getting back into doing what I originally signed up for this podcast to do. I wasn't trying to, you know, talk and debate the weekly issues and like predicting games. You know, this is supposed to be a podcast about college football history, interesting college football topics. So I'm going to try to like stay more focused on that this year. Of course, we'll talk about the season when it's happening, but we'll try to relate that to different issues. I'm going to try to release an episode maybe next week or at the end of this week. Again, that's about uh, paying players and uh, player mobility, the transfer portal, all that stuff. So thanks for listening, and I will see you guys next time.